The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss the one-year anniversary edition of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Before we get into the action, Mike... How are you doing? Man, I am feeling good, man. My back, I think, is finally back to normal. I went to the gym for the first time today in, God, maybe four or five weeks. Uh, it's been a while, so just kind of feeling good. Put in 45 minutes on the elliptical. Didn't want to push too hard. And, uh, you know, yeah, getting through this crazy year. I can't believe it's October already it feels like I, it's weird in one sense 2020 feels like the longest year ever but on the other hand it feels like you were just up here for my birthday yesterday like yeah i know what you mean we were we were talking about that earlier and uh referencing something that happened in may and i was like wow is that really the last time that this happened and and then it's like oh man that but that was only like three weeks ago right <laughs> Yeah, I, I it's, think it's because like time has kind of stood still in a lot of things, a lot of ways. So like to me, it's uh, yeah, I was going to be doing my next improv show at some point. But my first improv show still feels like it was recent because it's the only one I've done. And I've been like kind of just waiting to be like, OK, when can I do my next class and do my next show? So it's yeah, it's just um, I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird phenomenon. I don't really know how to describe it, but um i've always thought about it this way it's like the days are long but the weeks and months are short yeah that might make sense like because yeah i don't i don't know man it's it's been nuts um so yeah but all in all other than this little existential dread i'm feeling you know not bad can't complain how about you dude i'm doing all right i'm trying to get through this you know kind of transitional period of we're getting some nice days weather-wise, and then we get the occasional day that's still like oppressively hot. So, <laughs> you know. Well, it's basically winter here, so <laughs> Boston sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it like it was like, man, I it was like 40 degrees and rainy the other night. And I'm pretty sure like I thought it was gonna snow. And it's not uncommon to get like the first light snowfall in massachusetts in mid-october so it could happen it could happen and i i don't know if i'm ready for it because i hate the heat i hate the heat but i've the last two months i've been kind of taking advantage of being able to go out and do stuff outside with you know my friends and family yeah and it's gonna be a little tough when it's you know 20 degrees outside to really do something outside distance like I remember the, the North Carolina winters, you know, it could be like in the forties, maybe thirties, but most would be like high forties, low fifties. And like, you can still do a lot of stuff outside in that weather. So, um, not sure if I'm quite ready for winter. Like I normally would be, I'm usually pretty gung ho about it. Yeah. We're trying to like do a few things before it gets too cold, like a few more outdoor family gathering type mm -hmm. things. Um, kind of ease the blow of not doing traditional holidays 
because um, like if it's cold, like we're not bringing the whole clan together. Like it, it, we have a large group of humans and uh, it, there's no indoor location that we can use that isn't cramped. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm having a little, uh, little concern with like my, like family's Thanksgiving plans and Christmas plans. And like, I just kind of, I don't want to be inside with that yeah. many people mm-hmm. for like 12 hours. Like I normally would do on Thanksgiving. Cause I usually I get there early, then watch the football games. So then we eat dinner and then I stay and we go shopping, which obviously we're not going to do that this year, but yeah, it's, it's a little tough. And like, I don't know how to be like, Hey, I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving. Or if I am, I'm only coming home for like the food, eat and run. So yeah, <laughs> we're basically staging an intervention. So, you know, we, we want to have the conversation in person of being like, yeah, we're not doing the holidays this year. Um, yeah. We being the like sane and responsible members of my family. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I get that. <laughs> and so we are going to have the conversation and uh, I'm not sure how it's going to go. So... <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, good luck back in the future. Yes, yes. Well, I'll need the strategy notes on how to handle that because, uh, yeah, because our families are so similar. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, and I'm also questioning whether or not they are similar or not. I don't know. Oh, I'm being very sarcastic. Our families are nothing alike. <laughs> you kind of broke my ba- brain there for uh, for a second. So um, I was just like, are they? It like put me in a little like uh, <laughs> like I said, my brain is a little off today from the ex- existential dread. Um, Let, yeah, let's no, try uh, to capitalize on what little of your brain power we have left and and get right into the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes me sound pathetic, but sure. <laughs> the dynamite that was. <laughs> All right, so the AEW anniversary episode began with the tag team championship match between FTR and the best friends. FTR retained their title via nefarious means. Starting to see a pattern there. Then we got a match between Miro and Kip Sabian taking on the tag team of Sean Maluda and Lee Johnson. No surprise, Miro got the pinfall victory, or sorry, the submission victory in that match. I keep wanting to say he gets pinfall victories, but he doesn't. After that, we got a backstage segment in which Lance Archer jumped John Moxley to give him a beatdown prior to their main event match. And then we got a promo segment between MJF and the Inner Circle, where uh, MJF and Chris Jericho made dinner plans for next week. Yes, that was a real segment that happened on television. Uh, after that was another real segment that happened on television, uh, where we got the latest edition of Britt Baker's Rules of Being a Role Model. Uh, This segment featured Tony Schiavone getting his chest waxed. Yes, you heard that right. Best segment ever. Hey, hey, this is my time. Next up was the TNT Championship match between Orange Cassidy and Cody. This match went to a time limit draw, and they will face each other again two weeks from tonight. Uh, after that, we got Mox attacking Lance Archer, trying to get a measure of revenge for the beatdown he received earlier in the evening. We got an update from Matt Hardy on his health status and a Sammy Guevara promo stating that every time Matt comes back and gets cleared from injury, Sammy's going to put him right back on the disabled list. After that, we got a segment introducing the lottery 
for the teams that will compete in a number one contenders tag team match next week on Dynamite. After this was the women's championship match between Swole and Hikaru Shida. Shida defending her title in that match. After which we got a Sean Spears vignette explaining his feud with Scorpio Sky, which has been developing on Dark and is now spilling over onto the main roster. Finally, our main event of the evening, John Moxley defending his AEW championship versus Lance Archer with Eddie Kingston on commentary. Moxley scraped out a win in this no DQ affair and after the match was jumped by Lance Archer, who was then beaten back by members of the Agents of Chaos and then beaten down by Eddie Kingston, Ray Phoenix, and Pentagon after Eddie Kingston cut a promo and stated his intention to compete for the AEW Championship. And that was the anniversary episode of Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. So what was a a big night? We're going to do this a little differently tonight. We're going to talk about the four title matches in the uh, throughout the night. And let's start with this main event. Joel, let's just talk about the match first. Um, I feel like the story was stunted because of Archer's COVID diagnosis. And I don't know. I just, I, I thought I would be more excited for this match. And while the match was good and it was, it was, it served its purpose. I just, I don't know. I was kind of, I kind of was missing the oomph that I thought I would get from a Moxley Archer, no DQ main event match. Yeah. I, the the backstage segments didn't really work for me. Um, I, I prefer the first time we see people lay hands on each other, it being in the ring part of the match. And I get that they did that to kind of set up the stipulation, uh, but that's just not my personal preference. So I wasn't as engaged in this match as I thought I would be. I think for what it was, it was a well-worked match, hard-hitting, they mm-hmm. delivered the kind of match that you would expect from John Moxley and Lance Archer. Um, but this wasn't Russell Kingdom. You know, this isn't the match that they had for that, you know, kind of laid the foundation for for this rivalry in the minds of the Internet wrestling community. So in that sense, you know, it wasn't everything it could have been, I suppose. But uh and I think it's also it's tough because can we take Lance Archer seriously anymore? It, I don't. Does he feel like a legitimate threat anymore? You know, we we kind of saw this happen when he lost to Cody, and then he lost a lot of steam, and then they built him back up, and then he got this COVID diagnosis and lost a lot of steam, and now he takes an L to John Moxley, and and granted. Everybody takes an L to John Moxley. So that's not a huge deal, but I just is starting to feel like someone that I just don't think is a legitimate contender. Yeah, it's we talked about that when he lost to, to Cody and it was really disappointing and it took a long time for him to kind of gain the momentum again. And it's the appeal of him, I think, has kind of faded since he he debuted. Uh, you know, we kind of rode the high of Jake Roberts showing up at first. Like, holy shit, Jake Roberts is here in AEW and he's, he talks great. He looks 
awesome. He's healthy. This is great. And then his promos started making less and less sense. And then Archer started eating L's. And I think we have an issue right now with uh, the champions, uh, maybe other than FTR, but they've built these these champions up. And I'm, I'm referring to Cody. And I know he lost the title and got it back, which kind of goes to my point. Like, oh, yeah, Cody got beat down so bad, but came back five weeks later and won. Like, who are legitimate people that can beat Moxley right now, Cody right now, Sheeta right now? I, I, I don't think there is, like, a legit person in the men's main event world championship scene. And I don't think there's a woman in the women's championship scene. Maybe Baker. But other than that, like, it just feels our contenders are pretty weak. And I think we're going to get a true blue legit contender for Moxley's title at the end of this tournament. But yeah, it's, it's filled a lot weird. And Joel, I tell you, man, don't bet against Moxley. You put it out there that the table was set for an Archer win. And I'm telling you, man, as soon as I heard Eddie Kingston on commentary, I was like, there's no fucking way Archer is winning this match because Kingston on commentary was about Kingston and Moxley. It wasn't about Kingston and Archer or Kingston Marksley Archer. It had to do with just Moxley. And they basically made Archer a uh, a bit player here in what is looking to be a larger story with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. And this is the second time he's kind of been just a stepping stone for some of, someone else's character development. Cody becoming the first TNT champion, not being able to compete for the AEW title. He kept knocked out Archer on the way to that. And then Moxley here, this it seemed like this whole feud was was irrelevant. And it basically was because they didn't really have anything to do. Yeah, not not the greatest. Um I think I think you're right about this eliminator tournament. And I think the legitimate contenders are in that bracket. Uh and I think their names are Adam Page and Kenny Omega. No one else is coming out of that tournament. Seeing the brackets revealed tonight, we're in for some great matches, but the finals are already written. And if we don't get Omega and Page in the finals, then what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, but and that's okay. Predictable is okay. If if we're diagnosing the state of the AEW Championship division, I think those are are the pieces that can shake things up a bit, and with hangman page i mean it wasn't far off from this time last year that he was in the inaugural championship match with mm-hmm. chris jericho so what an arc for him to have gone off and competed and been dominant in the tag team division only to be kicked to the curb by the elite and to now find himself competing for the aew championship that's a great long form story and uh, that would be awesome. On the flip side, Kenny Omega. We've been waiting for Kenny Omega to have the singles run that he is destined to have in AEW and to show everyone, especially all of the morons on the internet who have been saying, I don't get what the big deal is about <laughs> Kenny Omega. Like, okay, have a little faith here. You haven't seen it yet in North America, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah, they ain't seen nothing yet. But, 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 baby, yeah. And normally I'd be like, uh, I, we don't really need this tournament to build this Omega Hangman story. But 
with kind of the lack of contenders right now, I'm fine with their their story playing out through this tournament. I think it's going to be very effective. So let's switch gears and talk about the women's championship match and then kind of talk about the state of the women's division because um, that's kind of what we're doing here in this one-year check-in. Uh, so Big Swole and Hikaru Shida, I thought it was a great match, thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it, and they totally got me. Uh, when Swole got her sequence of offense in and hit Dirty Dancing and... You know, Sheeta kind of slid away from the rope a little bit before Swole got into the pin. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're doing this. Like, I can't believe it. And then last second, she reaches out, she grabs the bottom rope, and then it's all Hikaru Sheeta from there. Uh, but I really enjoyed this match. I thought they did a great job. Very physical. Um, they were moving faster than they were moving at this time a year ago. And I think that's something that's really important. Uh, we talked about early on how the women's division kind of looked like it was moving in slow motion. Like the matches were good. Everything they were doing was good. It just needed to be a little bit quicker. I think we're starting to see that quickness from these competitors. And it's clear that all of the work they're putting in, all of the training is really paying off. Because I, I thought this looked crisp. Oh yeah, I, I think we could say that for a lot of the wrestlers on the in the in the company in general, the ones who were here at the start last year till now, like I was thinking during the tag team match, Chuck Taylor looks so much better than just a year ago, and he was always great, but he just looks like a better, more complete wrestler. And I think the same thing can be said for Hikaru Shida and Big Swole. This time last year, Shida was in the uh, all-out match with Riho to consider to determine who would face Nala Rose for the inaugural championship. And I, I like the pairing. My issue is why should I, why did I have to care about this match? They're not going to take the belt off of Sheeta with no build in a, a rankings based match. It was that ever given as the reason. Um, and I'm kind of getting a little frustrated, not just with the women's division, but these very short, short stories. And I know that, once again, COVID is, is, has wrecked, the, <laughs> wrecked all their plans and they're, they're still trying to put these shows together. But like, it's hard to believe uh, championships are going to change hands when your women's championship match was announced after the show last week. Uh, Cody and Cassidy was announced last week. Um, FTR and Best Friends, they had a little interaction over the last like month or so, but nothing other than hey you have the titles and you guys are dickheads like there's that and then your main event your main title was disrupted due to a a covid diagnosis so i just i'm questioning why and i i'm not trying to shit on the the show the matches itself were great it's great AEW wrestling that we've come to to love i'm just kind of wondering why should i care about these matches I mean, I, I think I, I care about the matches because I care about the performers and the characters. So the lack of a story build to something, I can get past that if the performers give me a compelling story within the match and I get drawn in. But it does put a lot of pressure on the performers to do that. And I get where you're coming from. I I think it's been a lot of like big shows back to back. I feel like we've had title defenses almost every week lately for like 
I don't know, six to eight weeks. Uh, and that does kind of dilute the pop of, oh, titles are on the line. So I, I do think that next week we're getting a break from that and none of the mm-hmm. titles will be on the line. So yeah, the, that'll kind of be a, a welcome episode that's more story driven. And I, I did find myself kind of get being more intrigued by the story beats and the promos in between the matches tonight than the matches themselves, as mm-hmm. good as the matches were, uh, yeah. it was, you know, it was the Sammy Guevara vignette. It was the Sean Spears vignette. Like those were the things that I was really, really locked into. Yeah. Even the Jericho MGF I enjoy, but so yeah, I guess, I guess one last comment on this and then I'll, I'll, I'll we can talk about something else or, um, I guess what I loved about AEW last fall into the spring before COVID hit is that you had stories that were, you know, character development, you know, actual feuds type of things. And then you had matches that were based off of the rankings and it felt like a good mix. And, you know, one week would have, oh, this person's getting the shot because they are the number one ranked wrestler. And then you would have these stories that would develop over a course of weeks, months, and et cetera. I think I just right now, it just feels a little too stop and go for me, a little too choppy. Like, I know it's, I know two, like, what is it, three months in between pay per views? It's hard to build stories. And we've routinely had these kind of middle shows that act as little pay per views in between. Um, but man, yeah, it'd be like, I'm worried about this, uh, the winner of the uh, tournament. I'm like, are they gonna like get their title match at on, on a random episode of Dynamite? Because if that's the case, then man, I want—I don't want Omega and uh, Moxley to have to have a match while we're dealing with Snickers commercials and picture in picture. I want that match to be the main event of Revolution where they can go for 35, 40 minutes and not have to worry about anything other than their performance. So, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting moving forward and i do think that whatever that matches it's going to be given time and it's going to get justice but i think those two have to be in the championship picture and if that match or sorry if if they're earning their shot at full gear it's not that much of a stretch for them to have a three-month build to the payoff of that match taking place at revolution that's not just three months. That's that's end of February where Revolution is. So that's that's like three and a half months because this is the beginning of uh, November. That's a long build, and you don't see that in American television. Like um, you know, you've I mean, seen Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, and we usually complain that it's getting stale by like the seventh week. How <laughs> like, much of that has to do with the writing, though, and and less about the time? Because, I mean, there there have been plenty of instances of that match, the main event being built up and hyped. I, I think part of the complaint for us is that it kills everything that happens with that title in between. But I don't think AEW has that same problem. So um, at any rate, we've gotten completely off the rails here. You want to move on to the TNT title? <laughs> Sure. Like we... Yeah. Let's well. Let's, let's save that one for last. Let's save that okay. one for last. Uh, we'll let's talk about division. the tag team championship match between FTR and Best Friends. 
I thought this Good was a match. really fun match, uh, and I've yeah. come to expect that from every match involving the best friends. Uh, and, you know, FTR was up to their typical heel shenanigans, which is always great to see. Uh, I thought the selling in this match was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that Chuck Taylor got knocked out of the match for large portions, and it really set up Trent as having to anchor the team hold things down and fight through the adversity to keep his team in the action. We got some interference from Tilly Blanchard in this match. Just a lot of good stuff, great tag team wrestling, and what we've come to expect from this division. That being said, I every time FTR wrestles somebody other than the Young Bucks, I really just want to see them face the Young Bucks. Yep. It's been, it's been dragged out, and... I'm sure because once again, this random draw for the fatal four way next week, I didn't get why they went that method. Like if you have your rankings, just say contenders two through four are going to be in a fatal four way to determine the number one contender. Such an easy way to do it. They kind of did that though. Well, I mean, if, if you're using the rankings as a system, like, for example, the number three ranked team are the Natural Nightmares. Like, they just have to not be involved because of a random draw. Same thing with Santana and Ortiz. They're the number fifth ranked team. So it just, you know, it's, I thought it was just like, just don't I, even I, do the random draw. Just say these four teams have been selected. Like, you could even say based off of recent performance, they're in the match. Like, we don't, you don't need to, we knew, we knew the Bucks were going to be in that match. And you're telling me, ooh, random draw, they were the four teams selected? Come on. <laughs> like It's pro wrestling. Come on, man. I, I mean, maybe it's just my overall frustration with, like, I didn't, this is probably the most negative I've been about AEW, and it really has nothing to do with the matches. It all have to do with the direction. And, like, we've been waiting for this Young Bucks uh, FTR match for three and a half, four months now. And the Bucks are the number two ranked team in the division. You could literally just say, you know what? The number one ranked team just lost their title opportunity. Now we're moving to the Young Bucks versus FTR. Simple. And then yeah, just give but- us the four weeks of build without having to do this. Because we know who's winning that match next week, too. We know who's winning that match. It's the Bucks. Period. Okay. They're not All right. losing it. All right. <laughs> They're not losing it. Dude, <laughs> like- slow down. <laughs> uh, if if they had done that, right, if they had gone with a purely rankings-based thing, we would be sitting here complaining about how they just did that with the gauntlet match where they took the two through five or two through four or whatever, those teams, and had them face off in a gauntlet match to determine who would... I mean, that was how FTR got the titles. I wouldn't and... be complaining. Because <laughs> you, if you're going to do something as stupid as a random draw, like... Just use the rankings that you've touted for the last year and a half as being a, a differentiator of your company. <laughs> and also, I don't really like, I don't even think this Fatal Four match is really necessary because we've had this feud building for months. It would be very easy just to transition into it. Bucks, FTR, full gear. Let's go. Okay, but it, it's not. <laughs> It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. We know where we're going to end up, but this is an opportunity for the Bucks to continue being heels and continue to go off on the entire tag team division. What's more, 
AEW has demonstrated that some of the best, most entertaining and engaging matches that they've put on are tag team matches with multiple teams involved. I think this is a great way to move forward and get us to this match. And it's also, you know, let's say the Bucks don't win, right? We've had swerves like that in AEW so far. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily written in stone uh, that the Bucks are winning this match. We both think they are, but we don't really know. They already did the swerve with the Bucks by having them lose the gauntlet match with the Hangman and Page interference. Like, I don't think they would go the swerve route again. If they do do a swerve route again next week, I'll probably be just as frustrated. I, I liken it to when it's, you know, first and uh, second and goal from the one yard line and you run a reverse trying to catch them off guard and you lose five yards. The simple thing is just run it down the middle because you're going to get the results that you need. And I think this didn't need, I think just going straight into this feud that we know that's ready to go instead of having to feign for a week that maybe the bucks won't win this match. It just takes a week of this story from building even further, (laughs) you know? So that's just my take. And I think you could still have the Jacksons, have their tag team matches like they've been, you know, they've done in the past and show off their new heel personas, threaten to super kick Shavoni. Like, I, I think you could still do that. Um, so, and, and we know the, the matches next week, it's going to be great. It's going to be an entertaining match. And I love the matches that we get in this company, but I kind of just need a little more story because I'm just frustrated that there's not as many stories right now. When last year, into the early 2020, they were doing a really good job of keeping these stories going and flowing and engaging. All right, so let's get into the TNT Championship match between Orange Cassidy and Cody. Uh, I thought this was a really fun match, and I especially enjoyed the kind of callback to Fighter Fest 2019 with the time limit draw, and especially with having... Darby Allen watching this match, it kind of felt like appropriate, like the kind of circle being completed on this initial year. And I know that Fighter Fest was in June, but it still feels like it was part of that first year of Dynamite. And I thought this was a really, really fun match. Cody constantly trying to get Orange Cassidy to lock up with him, take it seriously and buy into Cody's vision of what professional wrestling is and Orange Cassidy continually finding ways to get back to his sloth style wrestling. What did you think about this one? Uh, it's, it's all about the ending for me. I thought this was the perfect use of the, the time limit draw. And I think we've only had two and they both involved Cody. So, um, and also like, the way that they timed it so the clock expired right before the three count, even if the timing was a little off, it still was super effective. And uh, I think it's kind of gives Cassidy the the rub here by basically taking the traditional wrestler, the what they call him tonight, the prince of professional wrestling. I think that's what they called him during his intro. Yeah, he's been rolling with that moniker, I think, since just before his uh, match with Brody Lee. Okay. So like for him to take the Prince to a time limit draw is the equivalent of Jericho losing to the 
the guy who puts his hands in his pants. Like this should be embarrassing for Cody. And it was, it's kind of like you said, a callback to how Cody was embarrassed by Darby Allen taking him to the time limit draw. Um, so I would really love uh, the match was always, you know, Cody and Cassie, you know, you're going to get a very good, very uh, entertaining match. And it did not disappoint. And um, Cody kind of, once again, playing from that position of power. I like him in that role. And I think if it ends up being Cody Darby Allen or maybe Cody Cassidy Darby Allen, you know, we talked about, we don't really have a lot of multi-person matches for titles or just in general um, in the company. I feel like that'd be a great way to bring the TNT championship into full gear. So yeah, uh, great, great stuff here. Um, This is, you know, it's, there's the men's division, but there's also like, this is kind of the, the mid card division. I feel like the mid card division for the men's side is healthier than the main event scene. What do you, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it depends on, on what your definition of healthy is. I think it's more clear where we're going. Uh, But there, there's something to be said for a champion who's over, who's dominant and established and, whoever does take the title off of John Moxley is going to get a huge, huge rub from doing that. So it, it has the potential to kind of be a star making instance. That being said, the, the matches, the stories, everything that's been going on lately in the, in the TNT title picture, I've been more interested in, but I think that has more to do with, I mean, this whole Lance Archer situation we talked about already don't need to get back into it, but it just wasn't that compelling to me. So, you know, I, I definitely agree that I'm more interested in whatever happens next with Orange Cassidy and Cody than I am interested in this next phase of, I guess, Eddie Kingston and Moxley, um, which will probably mm-hmm. be the match at full gear, given that the title shot isn't going to be determined from this eliminator by then uh, whereas it's it's clear our next tnt title matches in two weeks orange cassidy and cody the rematch yeah I, I i guess what i should say when i say healthy i guess there's i just i think there's more believable people who i could see beat cody than i could see beat moxley right now like right now i think we, like we talked about earlier the only people i could see beating moxley are Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Um, but there's a lot of people that I could see who could compete and take that TNT championship from Cody at some point, either in the near future or the long term. So um yeah, and I, I think the point of the TNT title is to to just kind of work great matches and get guys over. So if Cody saw what, what was up with his hair change? He gets <laughs> the gold back and he goes back to being a blonde. I don't know. I think maybe you're dead on with the <laughs> we need more baby faces situation. And so it's like, no, let's just completely abandon this dark this Cody look that, that came up. Or, you know, maybe he only felt the need to go to that dark place because he didn't have the title. And now he has the title back and he's all sunshine and roses. So, you know, who knows? I guess. I don't know. I've never had to dye my hair before. I feel like that's just such a big process <laughs> to like switch your hair back and forth that quickly over three weeks. But I guess good to have Jedi 
Cody Rhodes back. And I guess we'll have to wait a little longer for Sith Lord Cody. But welcome back, Blondie. <laughs> All right. Anything else on the uh, the TNT Championship match or the division in general? Or shall we get on to lightning round? I'll say my last thing. Uh, Cassidy looked good holding the belt when he took it from the Dark Order guys. Like, I definitely could see him walking around with that that big gold belt at some point. It looked right on him, so. Indeed. All right, lightning rounds. Lightning round. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about in lightning round was possibly my favorite segment of this show, which was the Sammy Guevara video. Uh, because it feels like a, a kind of turning point for this character and going dark, going evil, having all of these pictures of Matt Hardy, big blow up pictures, and then setting them on fire with a lighter as this kind of hooded figure. And, you know, we knew it was going to be Sammy Guevara, but, you know, back to the camera and then he turns around, delivers a chilling promo and, you know, I, I saw someone joke on Twitter that, you know, AEW already had the murder hawk. Now we have the murder panda. Ah, <laughs> uh, God. God, I love the internet. Uh, I thought this was Sammy's best promo that I've ever seen him do. Um, obviously, recorded backstage, whatever, you know, can work on it. But uh, I thought it was really effective. I think it is a very easy way to get this feud reignited because it ended in such a weird way with the injury and then the weird finish at all out. Um, and I like that they didn't have to touch on that. Like you don't, you don't have to remind us that Matt Hardy almost legitimately died. Just say you're not done with him yet and let's go. So, uh, if this is going to lead to a proper finish of the feud, either at full gear or, the week you know before or after we we've seen that they do big matches on the shows leading up to pay-per-views but let's go i want to see these guys work where they can get the full time and not have to worry about you know skulls cracking on concrete yeah and, and also i want to give props to matt hardy he sold that promo really well turning to shivani and being like did you know about this <laughs> yeah poor shivani man uh, he gets abused and that's going to go into my thing do you think they really waxed his chest um i think they did i think they did (laughs) unless he's a really good actor he looked in he looked in pain when they were doing it i just hope they Um, got that in one take (laughs) i just you you ever see a 40 year old virgin yes uh yeah i just that whole uh hair waxing scene from that movie was all like legit and everything he did was like improv and legit pain. So I really hope that uh, Shivani just went full method acting here <laughs> and said, no, 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 no. If we're going to do this, really wax my chest. You're the hero we deserve, Tony. And he's scared for his life with the young bucks starting to super kick him. And then he had to worry about, you know, broken Matt Hardy potentially being mad at him. So I think Tony should try to stay a little bit out of dodge. Maybe get someone else to do the interviews going forward. Yeah, he's definitely having a tough time. Uh, This segment, I mean, my takeaway from it is that we got another episode of Rules of Being a Role Model, which I'm here for. Uh, But, and it was like, 
it was funny, but it was uncomfortable at the same time. And uh, not sure that I need any more of that. I mean, I I also loved when they finished the part of the promo where they're getting massages and they freak out because they asked Tony, are you naked? Are you naked? <laughs> I just, I don't know. This one really did it for me. I, I laughed. This is probably the most I laughed uh, during an episode of Dynamite recently. I, just, I was chuckling so much. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Got another um, uh, item for us? Yeah, so I'm going to stick with the vignettes and go to my dude, Sean Spears. Um, or should yeah. I say your dude, Sean Spears? Or you're the one who always likes to pick him. Um, I'm, not, I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Not again. I, really, I really liked the premise that Sean Spears set up, that this business is about moments and you took a moment from me. And now you owe me a debt and I'm here to collect like that. That was really well crafted. And I thought his delivery was excellent. Oh, man. Sean Spears has always been compelling. You just can't trust him to win a fucking match. Um, (laughs) And I know what's going to happen. He's going to face Scorpio Sky, get shipped down to a skivvies again. (laughs) And I'm going to be I'm going to lose a full gear pick him by one because some between now and then. I will pick Sean Spears to win again. And it's just not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I'm you, just like you and Moxley. That's my thing with Spears. And I, I'm, I have to divorce myself from Mr. Sean Spears. Yes. For the good of all. Yeah. What else you got for me? I also like steak, like Jericho and MJF. Oh. <laughs> What the fuck is that going to be next week? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it feels like we're back into kooky Jericho territory. And, you know, that's your, uh, what's Good the, or, uh, and what's bad. The your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if I, I do think that MJF being involved, like, I feel like there's a, like a, a high floor for anything MJF is involved with, like promo wise just because he's so damn talented. And I really liked his promo from this whole thing tonight as well. And where do you want to see this go? Do you want to see MJF as a member of the inner circle? Or do you want to see MJF versus Jericho? Um, I mean, I think, I think what they're teasing is MJF versus Jericho. And ultimately the inner circle doesn't need another member. So you know, I don't see where MJF fits into the inner circle. So I think this has to lead to a match. And honestly, it's not the match that I want. The match that I want is MJF and Wardlow. So <laughs> I'll, I'll suffer through yeah. this and uh, we'll see where we get on the other side. I want and I wanted MJF Sammy like MJF was trying to out Sammy. I think that match would be a five star like match. I think those two guys could just freaking throw the hell down. But and what do you think of Sammy's enormously large jacket? <laughs> I I like that he didn't want to put it on. Would, <laughs> I would that, you like? <laughs> I thought that his uh, his acting in this segment was really entertaining, uh, and uh, it I I, I kind of hope that he's not as involved in the rest of this inner circle storyline because. Mm-hmm. I feel like it clashes with the darker character that he's trying to portray in this feud with Matt Hardy. Uh, but ultimately it was, it was a good entertainment spot and uh, I popped. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard not to. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think there was a tag match. Oh, oh, uh, I loved just the weird little setup of best friends, Miro and Kip because Trent accidentally speared through a video game cabinet, um, or Chuck, one of the two. And, uh, yeah, if this gives us our first feud for the best man and, and Kip, I hope the bachelor party is still happening. Haven't really touched on that since the King of Kong showed up. Um, but yeah, and that, what, that tag match they had, Mio's impressive, Kip's impressive, Penelope Ford's impressive. Thumbs up. Yeah, I think uh, to touch on the, the Miro and Kip storyline piece, I think part of what was going on with this episode and feeling like it was lacking in story is because they felt like they needed to do a big thing for the one year anniversary, but then they had just done a big thing for Jericho's 30 year anniversary. And then you go back from there and we're not too terribly far removed from all out. So, you know, there hasn't been a lot of story laden episodes of dynamite to, to build these things. So I think that by the time full gear rolls around, we'll be in much better shape. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that we can get more development on this Miro and Kip storyline, hopefully next week, as they're, like we talked about, no titles on the line. So it should be a more story-heavy mm-hmm. episode of Dynamite. Yeah, if, if the TNT match between Cody and Cassidy is the only title match we have between now and Full Gear, I think I'd be a pretty happy camper, because that will give us four solid weeks to just develop stakes. And yeah, the title's always going to be a, a stake, but you know, it can get a little more heat in there too. And I, I, to just kind of, I think we're in good shape with Kingston and Moxley. If it leads to FTR Young Bucks, we got history there. TNT title, let's Darby Allen Cody just has history in of itself. Will this be their fourth time facing each other? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I know they have the draw, and I think they each got. I think is it? Did they? Are they all tied up one, one, and one? I think so. Or, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to double check that. I don't can't remember when Darby would have gotten that win, but either way, story there, and then we'll figure out the women's division, and then yeah, um, definitely emotion. But yeah, let's definitely get some story development here. Let's get more. Like, I don't think Kenny and Hangman were on the show tonight, were they? No, they were not. They were referenced in the the championship bracket, but yeah, let's get, oh man, I kind of wanted, like, I, I know you mentioned that, I know we both talked about it, it's most likely going to be Omega and Paige in the finals, but man, I would really, really want uh, Pentagon to win this whole thing, because I want to see Pentagon Moxley <laughs> so bad. I, I'm kind of hoping that Phoenix wins in their first round match, because I want to see Phoenix and Omega in round two. Oh my god, are they on the same side of the bracket? Yeah. I thought Hangman I mean, was on that side. Oh man. Uh no, no. It's it's Omega <laughs> on that side of the bracket. And uh Hangman gets the winner, uh assuming he wins his match, which he will, he gets the winner of Wardlow and Jungle Boy. Okay. I think yeah, well, unless uh, I just looked at their names on the screen and flipped it in my brain. No, which I, is I think that's right, because I think I think Hangman Page Hangman Page is facing Colcabana. And then Kenny Omega is facing. Um, who am I missing? 
We did this last week too. We did. Yeah. <laughs> I guess last I guess week it was once Jungle Boy we were forgetting. I don't I don't know who we're forgetting this week. Because they oh man. I fuck. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a fun tournament and it's gonna end with Kenny and Hangman Page. All right, buddy. Do you have any do you have a random observation for me today? I do not. Yeah, I I was I I had one and then I forgot it and then um I had it again and then I forgot it again. So very compelling stuff here, but we'll just move on to the outro. You can find us guys on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. If you're on the app uh Android network, you can find us on any of the podcasting apps on that. Uh, in the Google store. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com and rate and review. Give us a follow. It definitely helps us. Uh, it's a little late on the tweeting this week, but uh, we'll be doing the live tweeting from here into full gear. And remember, we'll give you your full gear review uh, within a day of that pay-per-view. So, Exciting times coming up. And Joel, anything else before we go? Vote, people. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.